I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And a happy Sunday fun day to everybody out there and a happy Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve to all who celebrate. Scott Duff here along with Ellen Miller. Happy Christmas Eve, Happy Scott. Christmas Eve to That sounds very Harry Potter. I know. Happy Christmas Happy Christmas Eve. Eve. Happy Christmas Eve. Eve. Mm-hmm. Yes, there you are. We're reunited and it feels so good. We sure are. There we are. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I know you've got a lot to do. Everybody's always running around. It's a at, big day, yeah, for people. At the Christmas times, you know. Celebrate, yes. Running, doing, cooking, and doing stuff, and rapping, and all Last that good stuff. stuff and going I know. crazy. And, going yeah. crazy. So uh, that's why we decided that we're going to do a little... Uh, Bestie poo. Yeah, a little best of. A little best of. You know, we've been, uh, we're wrapping up our 10th year. Holy smokes. What is going on here? We're trying to keep things like, uh, you know, this week, the news has just gone cuckoo pants. Uh, Yeah, as (laughs) always. With Colorado. You know, last week we had, you know, Rudy's got to pay some stuff and all oh. this things going on and blah 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 so we thought we would uh, find ways to celebrate the season and celebrate uh, creativity and levity and life uh, so we've we scrolled through our archives are very, very voluminous all the mm-hmm. archives of this for some of the, the best uh, of our interviews that we have this year. Uh, so later on in the show, we're going to hear, you can hear me fall apart all over again. All over again. All Get over your hankies again. ready. Get the hankies ready. When one person cries, we all cry. There we are. Well, yeah. yes. Well, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be revisiting our conversation and my weep session with Paul Williams. It was a highlight. It was it just was, lovely. It was heartfelt and, and, and honest. And, and, well, thank you. But yes. But uh, weepy all the same. And weepy. But, you know, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is a little sad for a Christmas special. Mm -hmm. I know you haven't seen it. We've got to figure that. I may get to go uh, see it before it ends. (gasps) You must. Well, it's still playing. I believe it's playing through New Year's. So I still have some chances. Yeah, so, and you out there will have chances to go see that. Uh, So to give you some inspiration, we're going to revisit our conversation with uh, Paul Williams. And, uh, you know, we wanted some sort of creativity, creative spirit. And earlier on this year, we spoke with the filmmakers between Can You Bring It, Bill T. Jones, and D-Man, and the waters um it's it, it kicked off a really popular season the fifth uh season 15 of the popular popular documentary series afro pop the ultimate cultural exchange from black public media and it looks at one of the sen- seminal works from works of uh, from trailblazing i can't speak trailblazing Trail choreographer uh and director bill t jones we're gonna chat with some of the filmmakers you've gotta check it out it's such an incredible documentary oh, yeah. and the piece itself is like Oof. Mm-hmm. Oh, so great. Uh, and if you're looking for some jokes and some gabs, uh, you need to, you can, or while you're wrapping presents today, you can check out the podcast Y'all Gay from comedians Allie Clayton and Ever Maynard. Uh, one of the best podcasts of 2022. They to lay Vulture. it all out there. They lay it all out there. <laughs> no They're holds su- barred. None whatsoever. <laughs> Super duper I blushed fun. a little when I heard a couple of them. Well, you know. Just a little. Just a little. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe keep the kiddos out of the room. They, sh- they shouldn't be in the room no. when you're wrapping presents anyway. Yeah, exactly. There we go. And we're going to be uh, revisiting our conversation with our good buddy, Matt Baum, who is the, an author and king of all media. And he has a brand new book this year called Honey, I'm Homo, sitcom. <laughs> 
rom-com specials and the queering of American culture. Uh, I thought that would be a lovely thing to play Perfect. after you know the passing of Norman Lear this oh, year. Yeah. But the, you know we can actually see, you know, see how how the queers have been represented through sitcoms. It sounds it's fun. I there know it's fun. It doesn't sound like fun. It is fun. It's delightful and delightful. Too. There we are. But Ellen Miller, you just got back from celebrating an early Christmas with your yeah, in-laws. Yeah, I did, and we had a lovely time. Uh, we uh, every year we go the week before Christmas, and uh, we got back the other night and. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. We stopped in Louisville on the way there. Louisville, Louisville. Louisville. I never can say I like the Louisville. Louisville. And my did dear, you go to the Yum Center? No, we we just stop at our friend's house. We visit. We go out to this fabulous restaurant called Jack Fry's in uh, the Bardstown neighborhood of uh, in Louisville, which was like the Lakeview kind of neighborhood. Yeah. Think of Park neighborhood and uh, have this. It's like same time next year, Scott. We sit in the same booth. Do you? The same piano players right on the other side of our booth. We have the same waiter what? the last three years yeah same waiter we couldn't order the same food because they took it off the menu but we have, the food is always superb and look it's just, I love Louisville I, I do too I I've was, only been once we gotta spend more time there because we're always there one night for this for, to have dinner but uh just a delicious and fun and the, the he the piano player his name's Steve he he does a mix of jazz and Christmas tunes and holiday tunes and just segues one into the other and I'm just I'm eating and I'm like oh my god he's doing you know this jazz song and then he's doing you know Vince Guaraldi I mean it's like it's just fantastic it's just a, a perfect way to get our holiday our Christmas going but one thing I wanted to share with listeners that our friend Janine uh, she gave uh, gave me uh, and Kathy these really cute um, Christmas sweaters and she also gave us these packets that she put together to give to people in need that we might see along the highway. Oh, wow. And they included um, energy bars, several energy bars, a, a pair of warm socks, uh, wipes, sanitary wipes, you know, that people need to clean right, up. Right, yeah. Uh, a $5 bill, and uh, I forget what else is in there. But um, and at first I was like, wow, okay. But, you know, yesterday we were doing some shopping for our Christmas dinner uh, and other dinner parties we're throwing between, you know, now and, the, and New Year's. And um, there was a, a family, a little a child and a couple. They were, uh, uh, you could tell they were uh, probably, you know, refugees. Yeah, from, yeah. Uh, migrants from Venezuela. And... I walked over to them and I gave them two of these care packages and they were so grateful. One of them opened them up right away, started eating the energy bars. Yeah. And, you know, um, we always have people in need in this city. Uh, but I think these packets are great for, you know, these families who, you know, they need everything. They need the basics. And um, there's just a few little things and it just, it warms your heart to do it. Yeah, so, it's a really great thing. I thank my friend Janine for that idea. Way to go, Janine. And if anybody else is thinking, wow, you know, how can I give back? You know, she just put them in a Ziploc bag. Like I said, a $5 bill. She went, I think she went to Costco and got a bunch of warm socks and pair of socks and, you know, some protein bars, energy bars and um, just, uh, just a nice thing to do over the holidays. Yeah, so we, yeah, yeah. We gave yeah. those away yesterday. That sounds like, uh, like our friend Brett, uh, Beth Lakey with the the wool gathering oh, project yeah. about the you know collecting socks and throwing a, a, you know, if you are having a holiday party this this year, I know it's Christmas Eve, but you know the New Year's coming up. Yeah. If you're throwing a party, ask folks to bring a pair of socks and get in touch with the wool gathering project, and you can you know 
It's a great way to do that. They're so appreciated and and so uh, needed. Needed, yeah. Because so yeah, so. like basically, like all winter long, Jerry and I will like you know at Walgreens, you can go into Walgreens and they have those like magic gloves. You know, they're little, little tiny ones and they're stretchy. Oh yeah, they're magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, ma- yeah. You know, and they're yeah. like two bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll buy like a bunch of them and just kind of have them in our pockets. Mm-hmm. So if we see you know somebody come that- if we encounter somebody who you know we'll give them some gloves. You know, just that's what we do all winter long. That's a beautiful thing that you, you know. guys do. And yeah. I'm glad that Janine has inspired that in us. So that's a little, you know, something someone can do. Love like that. It doesn't have to be Christmas. People are here all along, all, all you know. All winter long. All winter long. They yeah. need things. Uh, then we had a nice celebration with Cass family. I, I brought in a new tradition, which I didn't know how it was going to go over. Okay. I brought my guitar and I curated a bunch of tunes. I looked them all up the night before we left and made sure the chords were easy enough for me to just do on the fly. And I said, we're going to do Christmas carols. How do you guys feel about that? And we have young kids. We've got um, a 12-year-old, 9-year-old, 17-year-old, and then, you know, her siblings and their spouses. And and you know what? It was a highlight. Everybody loved it. I love that. And Kathy's mom, who always comes up with these fun activities for both the kids and the adults to do, uh, she's a big Christmas person. You know, the house is decorated to the hilt. And, you know, go find the hidden partridge and you win something. The tree, little tree decorating. She had this tree made of metal and she had all these ornaments and we took turns decorating it. And they took photos. And then Kathy's stepdad judged, not knowing who who decorated what. We were in teams. We won. Okay, there we go. Because it, it's won. not the holidays unless there's some healthy competition yeah, exactly. going on. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah. But she, her, Kathy's mom gave me the ultimate compliment when we left. She's like, the Christmas carol uh, uh, singing was jumped at the top of her oh, list of the activities. Oh, that's so, so wonderful. You know, we tend not to do those things because they're schmaltzy and my family is getting together. We get together, uh, we'll get together tomorrow on Christmas Day. Um, and I am breaking the news to them, you know, gently that we're going to sing some Christmas carols. So there you go. You know, I mean, what's there? Schmaltz. We love schmaltz. I know. And it's Christmas. And I think people like it more than they think they're going to like it. One hundred percent. That's my. Uh, that's what I'm up to for, for, for Christmas, and we are hosting uh, Christmas dinner tomorrow. Oh, fabulous! So, yeah, wonderful, yeah, wonderful, on wonderful. All of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ooh, How I'm about getting you, choked up? Tell me about your. <coughs> what do you have? Going oh, girl. On? Well, okay, this week is just. This week is always a little. Has been a little kooky pants. It's always yeah. a little weirdo. Um, the, I I call the week before Christmas, leading up to Christmas, the uh, the disappointing the French of the North Side of Chicago week, <laughs> because you know I work at the snack factory mm-hmm. and I work in. I'm I'm the cheese guy. If you want cheese, you come to me. Sure. There you are. You're the so guy. there is very cheesy. You know there. I am very cheesy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like singing Christmas carols. Yep. I, that's thing. what I am. I'm a walking, walking Christmas carol. And around this side, like we always get this uh, raclette. Yes, you know, it, which is it's stinky. It is good. stinky and delicious. And I've always wanted to have one of those. You know, you have to have that special little stove. You can have yeah, that little stove it. thing to melt it and just scoop it off and slide it on and everything. Well, we get it in the way. The snack factory celebrates the holidays. Yeah. It starts coming in early. Like oh, we're yeah. talking in October. But we always run out. Oh, and people get upset before. I bet. But n- not as upset as the French. It is awful. They will they come in and really? they're they're always like, uh, excuse me, do you have fromage raclette? And I I'm looking at them like, you know what? We, we don't we're out of that today. And like, okay, so when does it come back in? I'm like, mm, it's actually 
it's actually done for the season. That's heartbreaking. And I can't tell you how many lovely French folks just stand there staring at me, mouth agape, just gobsmacked what? that we do not have fromage, fromage raclette for, for Christmas. Oh. There we are. Last year, I had this family, this beautiful, like, this lovely little family. There was like a mom, dad, a son, daughter. She was looking for the raclette and she looked at me and I said, we don't have any. We're done with it for the season. And she went, but I am French. But I'm French. This is our tradition. This is what we do. That was a really good French yeah. accent, by the way. <laughs> it sounded kind of Russian. There we go. Well, it's a combo. Uh, there we are. But it was but so it's just tradition. Uh, the whole thing. I'm always like, I'm so sorry. And they really are crestfallen. And I'm with you. I'm oh. going to start a letter writing campaign to corporate of Trader Joe's to be like, Gotta hey, get look. More. Look, we gotta keep. I know you don't want to have back stock of, of raclette, but we need to have it for this week. So, how soon did you run out? We I mean, ran out last week. Oh wow! I know, I know. It's and like the, I, there was this dude from like Evanston who came in and bought the last two, and I was like, oh, "You got the last two of the things." He's like, "All right, this is great." I'm like, uh, oh, I, can't I know. So them. I know. So I feel so so mon ami, uh, oh. je suis désolé, je suis désolé. Huh? I'm sorry in French no, is what I'm trying okay. to because like, it's a big deal. <laughs> it is. So, I, yeah. Well, I'm sure. I, I know they want to buy it at Trader Joe's because it's such probably a good value there. Oh, it's a very good value. But yes. I bet if they went to some highfalutin cheese store, they oh, could find it some, somewhere. But, 100%. But everyone's looking to save a couple bucks, yeah, you know, right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, there we are. And also, just a reminder for folks who are heading out to the grocery store today, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and they just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> just be nice. Yeah. You know, uh, don't most, honk in the parking lot and not cuss in, people out. Yeah. Because of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Here's the deal. You're doing You're. I have to remind myself last. I've been running around doing doing things for others. Uh, and it's been As uh, you do, Scott. it's been a bit challenging. Mm-hmm. And there are times that I have to stop and mm-hmm. just go. I'm doing this because I love them. I'm doing this because I love them. (laughs) I'm doing this because I love them. I'm doing this because I love them. Yeah. Say that during Christmas Eve, during Christmas Day, throughout the holidays. But I think throughout the entire holiday, that's the thing. Like, just calm, everybody calm down. You know what? You can pivot, you can figure something out. You know, if, if something that you're looking for is not there, there's always another solution. And it's not the end of the world. And remember that you're doing things this time of year for folks because you love them. You know, Good and point. it's a really so just take a breath. Mm-hmm. Go in with that spirit. That's there's the going to the be a line. There's going to the be a line. I know. There we go. Yeah. You can turn around, make friends with the person behind you. You know, you'll be good to go. Yeah. You'll be good to go. We were in Nashville on the way back from Kathy's folks and... Um, People are just so Christmassy down there. It's just they're so oh, happy and so kind. Because so, in the South, there are two seasons: summer and Christmas. Oh my! It's really That's fun. That's it. It's, it's, it's true. I recommend it. All right. The Christmas it, spirit. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's I can tell lot. you about that. Oh, bless your uh, heart. Well, bless your heart and bless your heart. And thank you for joining us today uh, for this best of show. Uh, like I said, we've got some really fun uh, conversations that we've had throughout the year. We've got Paul Williams. We got filmmakers. We've got We've got comedians, we've got authors, we've got everything. So grab a cup of hot cocoa, uh, 
get your Christmas presents, your holiday gifts, and get get wrapping and and stay tuned with us. Uh, but before we go, this part of Out Chicago is brought to you by our good friends over at Team Hotberg. Did you know that 47 million listeners have no or unscorable credit and would benefit from a Team Hotberg Fresh Start secured credit card with no annual fee? Listen, a Team Hotberg Fresh Start secured credit is perfect if your vindictive ex destroyed your credit, you recently filed for or were discharged from bankruptcy, experienced a foreclosure or short sale, have collections, you were turned down for a credit, or one of your kids is having trouble securing their first credit cards. Now, Team Hochberg partnered with Kane County Teachers Credit Union to offer the Team Hochberg Fresh Start Secured Credit Card with no annual fee to help reestablish, enhance, and strengthen listeners with no damaged or challenged credit. For information about obtaining a Team Hochberg Fresh Start Secured Credit Card with no annual fee, go to 56david.com forward slash fresh start. That's 56david.com forward slash fresh start to establish, enhance, and strengthen your credit. Team Hockberg has up thousands of WCPT listeners, but they can't help if you don't visit 56david.com forward slash fresh start. Lower.com, equalizing lender, NMLS 1124061. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is the best of Out Chicago. So stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And welcome back to the second hour of Out Chicago. Scott Duff here at Knob Gobbler Manor. Ellen Miller, you're over there in Jefferson Park in the studio. Yes, I am. Well, I may have COVID, but nothing can keep me away from you or for this show and this hour. I cannot wait. Uh, you know, we like to do a little bit of good uh, here on the show. And a little bit later on the show, we're going to be speaking uh, about the Wool Gathering Project, which is a sock drive uh, uh, collecting and distributing over 100,000 pairs of socks for folks in need over the last 10 years. Nice. We're going to be speaking with our, our good buddy, Beth Lakey, uh, from there. But before we do that, okay, I'm going to take slow, deep breaths. He is a singer. I'm probably not even going to be able to get through this introduction. Oh, no. He is a singer, songwriter, author, a Grammy, Golden Globe, an Academy Award winner, and he was a fixture of my childhood. And he is now joining us on the phone. Mr. Paul Williams, welcome to the show. It's delighted to be here. Thank you for the lovely, lovely introduction. It's fabulous to be here. Life is, life well, is wonderful. Bill, we're delighted to have you. Okay, yep, I am already tearing up right here, so I'm going to apologize. Scott's younger than than I am, Paul, so you are a fixture of my adulthood, but you're a fixture of his childhood. Listen, I'm I'm 83. I'm 83. I feel like a tired 34. Uh, I've never been more comfortable in my own skin and and more... (laughs) More, I'm impressed with my ability to walk through these days with this Jiminy Cricket attitude that I have. While the world is just going to, to you know, it's like yeah, you I'm wearing see. a t- I'm wearing a T-shirt that says that says I'm with the band, and it's got a stack of the books that that have been banned, and it's just you know I, I have a I have a solid position. I'm going to stay positive no matter what happens. Good for you. Well. We've got we've got to yeah. do that in these 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 dark times for sure. <laughs> we <laughs> Jesus. I mean. Look, here's the thing. I mean, you 
You were Paul freaking Williams, okay? I I put up like on I posted on social media that I had the opportunity to chat with you, and people lost their minds. They were like, "Oh my gosh, please tell him that you know the Phantom of the Paradise is amazing. Please tell him that the the carp like his work with the Carpenters was incredible. Of course, like the Muppets, I am like." The Jim Henson lover in me is going insane. Do you ever just sit back and go, whoa, I did that? Well, you know what? I, when I was drinking, I'm 33 years sober. When I was drinking, I was quite impressed with how bright I was. And I began to write <laughs> from the, from that really bright mind and instead of from the center of the the, the chest, that little little kid's place that goes, oh, God, I'm, you know, pick me up and love me, you know. Mm. Spent my life writing codependent anthems and everything. And then when I started to get successful and when I began to, you know, began to, you know, I always joked that alcohol made me big enough to feel like I was big enough to deal with the rest of the world. And cocaine made me feel like I could shoot basketball for money. And there's, you know, when your confidence begins to drift into arrogance, you, what you what you begin to create begins to be really impressive to the creative, you know, to the person who thinks he's creating and uh, and does not really connect with the world around you because you're beginning to disconnect from that world. I will tell you in sobriety, this is the longest answer hopefully you'll get from me today, uh, uh, but I have to tell you that, that at this point in my life, my name is on all those wonderful, wonderful projects, but I mean, if if I backed up the, the influences and, and just, you know, that sense of where is this coming from? This is just all a gift. It's it, it's the story. It's the essence of Jim Hansen. It's the, it's handing me a book, you know, that, that has this amazing story of Emmett Otter and his ma and, and this kind of rewritten, you know, retelling of the gift of the Magi that is so magical that what I write for it just pours out of me. So, mm-hmm. so I have a, you know, I have a much healthier attitude about all this and, and, a an ego, I think, a little more in check than it used to be. But it, what, you, what you're describing is what I call heart payment. Somebody comes up and says, my mom was a single mom, and you and me against the world was an important song to us. For me and for oh. Kenny, and I wrote that song with We go, oh, God, thank you. Aww. Oh, no, Paul Williams, let me tell you. Like, the first, I remember sitting down, I, my mom, <laughs> okay, sorry, my, um, it was my. I had a single mom, and the two of us sat down and we watched Emma and Otter's Jug Band Christmas together, and it was. It gave me all the feels. It's giving me all the feels right now. Um, my husband it was just telling me about how he would watch uh, Emma and Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and then he's from Mississippi, and he would go out into the woods, and he would literally just roam the woods as a little child singing the music comes through, and it was I know, like, oh my god, could you be any gayer? Like, that was just like the gayest thing on the planet. But it's like these, it really your music and your words are have a have a profound effect on people. So thank well, you. Let, Sorry, me, let, me inter- let me interrupt and say two things. And this is not going to take hours and all, but I want to say two things. When you start crying, I immediately, I mean, I just, you know, there's a part of my very essence that just reach out, reach out, reaches out 
puts my arms around you and pulls you closer to me because this is exactly what I need out of this world is people with open hearts like that. That speaks so much about your strength to me. Aww. That speaks totally about your strength <laughs> to me. And, here's, and, and now I want to brag about, about this, the fact that this is out, out anything. In 1977, before my gay daughter was born, I took out a full-page ad against Anita Bryant in the in the in uh, in, in, in Daily Variety. Uh-huh. I took out an ad that said, "Mr. and Mrs. Paul Williams, in response to Anita Bryant's crusade, have stopped drinking dot 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 screwdrivers, which is made with orange, orange juice." Yes, orange it juice. was. It was. <laughs> and when my and when my when my when my daughter married her partner. Uh, her partner uh, managed to find that ad, which my daughter didn't know about, hmm. and framed it and gave it to her. And it's it's on the wall between their their bedroom and the children, their kids' bedroom, uh, my grandkids' bedroom. And and so for me to to be uh, speaking to you, I, I I want you to know that I come to you as as. Uh, you know, as as feeling as if I'm being enfolded right now by part of my tribe, and 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 I hope that I can always rise to be the kind of advocate that is desperately needed right now in this world. You have a beautiful and open heart, and it's evident from the start by the kind of music you have and songs you have penned over the years. So. Uh, You've, you've, you've put it out there for people, and people like Scott and so many in, across the, in the world have felt your open heart, Paul. So we thank you for thank that. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel you right back, right back. Uh, you, Paul, you've written so many iconic songs in your prolific career. One of my very favorites is We've Only Just Begun. Yes, and uh, it has an amazing origin story, and I, I, I have a feeling a lot of our listeners don't know that story about how the Carpenters ended up turning it into one of the all-time great pop songs of our lifetimes. Can you share that origin story? Oh, if we've only just begun. You no, know, I love talking about Karen and Richard. I mean, they changed my world. Uh, I started writing in 1967 with a guy named Roger Nichols. I, 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 I met him through another guy named Biff Rose. Uh, uh, Roger and I started writing for about four years. We wrote songs that that were recorded. They were album cuts. They were B-sides. We never heard anything on the radio. I mean, it was like, are we ever going to hear it? And, you know, when you're in your 20s, three years is, is like a lifetime. Uh-huh. So it's like, I got that. So, like, that's it. We were making a great living. Nobody knew who we were. And, and all of a sudden, one day, there's there's a knock on Roger's office door. We have off, both our offices at A&M Records. And uh, it's Herb Alpern, and he says, I want to introduce you to A&M's newest recording artist, Herb. Uh, this is, these are the Carpenters, Richard and, and Karen. And they looked at us, and they said, oh, my God, we love your recording of Trust by, by, by the Peppermint Trolley Company. And Steve Lawrence's Drifter is great. And it's like they knew. And we were like, oh, my God, we're famous. <laughs> we're famous. <laughs> Somebody actually knows who we are. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And Roger and I wrote a song. It was on the B side of of, of close to you, that, but it was it was the B side. It was not the single. And we and we desperately anything we wrote, we would want to show it to to uh, to Karen and Richard to get to your your story about. We've only just begun. Had all the romantic beginnings of a bank commercial. Roger and I were writing, and a friend of his was a, a great lyricist named Tony Asher. 
Tony Asher wrote the lyrics to God Only Knows for the, you know, for Brian Wilson. Mm. A great writer. Great song. And, and, and Tony had the, the job to write this, this song for a, a commercial that was very different. There was no pitch. It was just going to show a young couple getting married, driving off into the sunset after the ceremony. The kiss, the ceremony, driving off into the sunset, and it said, you've got a long way to go. We'd like to help you get there to Crocker Bank. Tony Asher went out and went skiing and broke his hand. He was on pain pills. He said, I'm loopy. I can't do this. I recommended you and Roger. And I said, I don't want to write a bank commercial. Roger said, come on, let's try. I said, I don't want to write a bank commercial. He said, there's a creative fee. I said, let's write this bank commercial. So we wrote the, the in probably in an afternoon. I think it took us maybe a couple of hours. He came up with the, the music, and I wrote the lyrics. And uh, we completed it as a complete song just in case anybody was going to want to record it. Understand at the time, the number one album, album in the country was in a, in a Gata de Vida. So this was not a song that was probably going to get recorded. This was not a song that was ever going to be a single, and this was certainly not a song that was going to be a, a major hit. And that all changed when an angel sang it, because Richard Heard recognized my voice on the commercial called and said, is there a complete song? We said, yeah, funny you should ask. And when they recorded it, and, and, and when we heard it the first time, oh, my God, we looked at each other and went, is anybody else going to hear how beautiful this is, what we're hearing? And it turned out that everybody did. Everybody they did. sure it was did. a life changer. Oh, my God. And yeah. still do. And yeah. still do to this day. It's a wonderful song. Thank you for, for that song, Paul. Oh, I know. Sure, Thank you for sure. all the music. We have been sitting here listening to the past week. We have just been on a Paul Williams kind of overload, especially as we're getting ready for uh, heading into the holidays here in Chicago with Emmett Otter's junk band Christmas. Now, you had worked with Jim Henson, I believe, on The Muppet Show, and then you had uh, uh, an opportunity to write the music, uh, the words of mu- the music for Emma Otter's Junk Band Christmas. Is that how that collaboration began? Yeah, exactly. I showed up in England to do the first season of The Muppet, and it was like I was a huge fan. I mean, from, from you know, every morning on the road of my band, we, you know, we'd watch Sesame Street, and, you know, Bert and Ernie taught us which forks to look to use. It was, I was a huge, huge fan. And I made a fan of Jim's all the way back to the Ed Sullivan show with the Slinkies and the Monomena and all that. Yep. Uh, but I never, you know, there's a tree house in, in, in the Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and, and the, the kids are up, the guys, you know, the, the, the jug band is practicing up in that tree. And I never had a tree house experience as a kid until I met Jim Hansen. And when I walked on the set of the Muppet movie and I met, I met all the guys, all the Muppet performers, it was like all of a sudden I'm in the tree house. The level of humor is amazing. The hearts are open and large and accepting, and it was just wow. And Jim asked me, he handed me the, the book the, you know, in, of Emmett Otter, and, and he said, there's a, a script being written right now. We're going to do a one-hour special. Would you write the songs, words and music? And I did. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting because the, the, the songs are very Americana, and it's not really what I was writing, but the, the story spoke to me. Jim's energy is in anything and everything I've written mm-hmm. that had anything to do with the Muppets, including the Muppet Christmas Carol, which was written. I wrote words of music for that after Jim had passed. 
but he is absolutely in, in every word I, I feel is his presence. Oh. And, and, uh, yeah, look Paul, at the birds up a tree. We're not birds, we're a junk band. Scott <laughs> forgot to mention something. Uh, he buried the lead. Scott, tell Paul what you named your dog. Oh, my dog is named Emmett Otter. <laughs> I, I, that was actually that was one of the first things shared with me when I heard about it today. I said, "Oh my God, that's wonderful!" Well, you know, yeah. And, and, I, he, and I wound I, up get I, I wound up with with uh, with guinea pigs because they look so much like otters. <laughs> I, get, I get it. I love it. I love that was it. Yeah. So. He's great. He's great. He's in a jug band. You know, he's doing it. He's doing <laughs> yeah. a good job. What could be wrong? He's in yeah. a jug band. I yeah. know. I know. When we got him, he was kind of pancakey and slinky against the sides of the wall. And he's so very sweet and so very earnest. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're Emmett Otter. So that's, oh, that's it. where it came to like, Yeah. The end, Again, my husband wants me to, pers- to personally thank you for where the oh, that's wonderful. to see. It's such well, this is it's what I call a heart payment to find out that, you know, that, you, that you're petting somebody named Emmett every day. It's just, it's, it's a heart payment. I oh, love it. It is. I love that. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm okay. Holding it together. So as you are transitioning, because it was this amazing, clearly had a profound effect on me as a child, you taking this beloved television special and uh, adapting it for the stage, have there been any challenges, or was that more for like, I guess, the puppeteers? Because like, you know, you're like, my songs are golden. There we go. Like, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting because I get this feeling sometimes in just my life in general that somebody's whispering to us every now and then. It's just that for this just began with with Tim McDonald. Uh, who you know loved Emmett Otter and always believed that it should be a, a it would make a great stage musical you know a few additional songs and and uh, you know with humans and play, playing you know the in the puppet roles but but also having the, you know the 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 original Muppets and all there uh, so he loved the idea and and he also loved Chris Catelli's work and he had a, was a big fan of Chris. And he, he invited Chris to lunch, and he sat down. And he said, "I'd love to do something with you. Is there anything that you'd, you'd really love to do that you haven't done?" And he said, "Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas," and it was like, "Boing!" You know, the, the, you know, the, 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 the sun came out, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I had a bit of a background with with the Good Street Theater because I'd been doing. Uh, Developing Happy Days, a musical with Gary Marshall at the Good Speed, and it just it just seems to fall into place. And we did we did a couple Christmases in a row up at the Good Speed, and then uh, and you know then it finally made it to New York. And when it made it to New York in 2020, uh, it was it had had grown up to be a real really wonderful wonderful stage musical. And we had the, I mean, it's like, I couldn't have written better reviews. God bless the New York Times and everybody that saw it said all these wonderful things. And, of course, like everybody else, we got closed by COVID. Mm. The actors count. I never saw I'm so sad. Mm. I never saw it in New York because I was in my hotel room testing positive every day for about two weeks. And by the time I was oh, negative, no. they had closed, they closed uh. it. So this is the first time I've seen it since the good speed is, is uh is here at the Studebaker, which is a great place to see it. Do you have a favorite moment in uh, in in Emmett Otter? 
Well, there's you know there's this spiritual presence of 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 Otter who is 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 not in the the original. Uh, you know, I mean, we talk, they talk about Paul Otter and Paul's favorite song, "When the River Meets the Sea," and all. And, and the the there are two moments in, in, the, in the, the the musical that are really special to me. One is that when they at the end of it, and not to give anything away, does anyone who haven't seen it, but right. when, when Ma and and Emmett both enter a contest trying to buy presents, New York, beautiful uh, Christmas presents for each other, and they lose. Walking back, there is this wonderful moment when when two things occur. One is that they they realize that the two songs that they're singing they've been singing work really beautifully together, and they sing them together and get and and get hired as you know as to at the you know the Dog Bullfrog's Tavern. To, to Dog Bullfrog. So I love that moment of how no becomes a gift, you know, which has been solid in my life. And the other thing is is. When the river meets the sea, it will always have such a special meaning for me because right after you know, right after the Muppet movie, you know, Jim passed and and they performed When the River Meets the Sea at his at his memorial and it was it's just a song that is to me is about is about just the gifts of Jim Hansen's life and all the philosophy and the caring and the elegance of kindness that is the, the is the thing that survives I think most powerfully in in Jim's uh, in Jim's memory. Uh, so the, those moments are, are really seriously and and there's actually a song now that 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 I've added to the to the score that. That the ghost of of Potter sings to Alice when she's thinking to herself that she's just you're just a foolish old dreamer. And he sings, Alice, keep dreaming. I'm right here beside you. I'm close as the sun when it's warm and you're fur. I'm with you in spirit. When the wind blows, you'll hear it. Whispering, Alice, my own. Keep the faith, girl. You're never alone. I hope you'll come and see it. Your listeners will come and see it because it's a, uh, it's one of my favorite moments ever to have that spirit, which <laughs> feels absolutely like Jim Henson. And did I make anybody cry? Yes, yeah, Scott's crying, and I'm yes, about to oh cry. Yes, my gosh, I'm a mess. You know, this, this this show is this show this show is perfect. <laughs> I love you, Paul. This show is perfect for these times. It really is. This is what we need. A show like this. Oh, how lovely. Thank you. Thank you. It's well, thank very you. True. And, and thank you for carrying on the legacy of the elegance of kindness. Yes. Um, and thank you for, for, thank you for the music and thank you for the love. Um, and uh, several people have also been like, thank you for being so open about your road with recovery yes. and sobriety. You are really have been a, a guidepost mm-hmm. for so many people. Um, and you touch so many folks. Oh, it's been, it's, oh I'm, it's not, I'm nothing but grateful. And Scott, I'm nothing but grateful. And, and uh, I, I think that that the gratitude and generosity are fuel. I think if, if, if you know anybody feels like their life is a little bogged down, go out and 
do something in service to another human being and watch everything get better. Amen to that, Paul. There you go. Amen to that. All right. I'm going to pull myself together so I can get the, this outro. Make sure that you check out <laughs> Emma Otter's Chuck Bank Christmas at Chicago's historic Studebaker Theater. It's running through December 31st. It officially opens tomorrow. Uh, so break a tail. Uh, it features songs by the legendary <laughs> Paul Williams. <laughs> Uh, if you want to find out, get some tickets, go to fineartsbuilding.com slash Studebaker. Paul Williams, again, thank you so much for just making my day. It's a uh, oh, you guys, you like, come and say hi. Just come and, you know, come and grab me by the nap of the neck and say, come here and give me a big hug. I really look forward to I it. I will, but I've got COVID He's right got now, COVID. So That's, yeah, he's not in the studio. But I, oh, my God. Are you going to be in town well, for uh, for the for a little while, or are you just going to be I, here for tomorrow? I'll, I'll be. I'm going. I, I actually just spent this weekend. I just got back. I was here. I, got, I spent the weekend in Brookshire at a museum where they did a retrospective. I'm going to go home to Huntington Beach for uh, about a week and everything. I'll be back, I think, on the 6th. I'll be here for about about five days with my my kids and grandkids coming in to see it as well. So hopefully you'll be neg- testing negative by then and and can come and, and we can we can say hi and, and break bread or something. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's great. I'll give you my number, Paul. Can I <laughs> yeah. call you, Paul? Well, you, okay. Yeah, you know what? You've got my you've got my number and and uh, and and please use it. Shoot me a text. And I'll get you all the contact information. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh, he will love that. All right, Paul Williams, go and be magical. Thank you, Paul Williams. (laughs) We love having you with us. I love you all. You have made my day. God bless. God bless you, too. Uh, God bless you, Thanks, too. Paul. All right. Make sure, again, Emma Otter's Chuck Bang Christmas is playing at the Studebaker Theater. Paul Williams, thank you. Thank you. we got to take a break, and there's more Bad Chicago right after this. This is Renee Taylor. You're listening to Out Chicago, WCPT 820. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here and Ella Miller rolled along every time I hear. I know. We love Renee. her. Renee. Renee. Delightful. She was great. She the old was... days when we had her in, the, we got to have her in the studio. I know. We did. It was fabulous and wonderful. But speaking of fabulous and wonderful, look, we both watched this incredible documentary, mm-hmm. Can You Bring It? Bill T. Jones and D-Man in the Waters, which kicked off season 15 of the popular documentary series Afropop, The Ultimate Cultural Exchange from Black Public Media. And it takes a look into one of the seminal works from trailblazing choreographer-director Bill T. Jones. Uh, and we are so happy to have uh, filmmakers uh, Rosalind LeBlanc and Tom Hurwitz joining us right now. Rosalind and Tom, welcome to Out Chicago. Hello. Hello. Okay. Y'all, first of all, congratulations. I I was eating this up with a spoon. It ticked (laughs) off all of the boxes for me as an artist it was amazing to watch the process of creating a piece and the depth of passion and understanding that it takes to perform something as a gay man you were educating young folks about the aids pandemic that was going on the epidemic uh as an educator it was celebrating moments of victory and achievement for young people and as a human it just like the power of anger and outrage that leads to hope and joy again it ticked off 
checked all the boxes. Congratulations to the two of you for this. Wow, thank, thank you. So. That's great. Yeah, it makes the boxes. You got it. I got lots you of boxes. It. Scott liked it. I loved it. We <laughs> both loved it. So, right on. So, so Tom, how did this? How did this whole film come about? You should we'll, let Roz start off. Rosalind, how did this film come oh. about then? Because I'm ah, oh, I wanted to live in that world. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about the 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 initial seed and then and then Tom can take over uh, from there. So the um, I I was a member of uh, the Bilty Jones or anything company in the '90s, and uh, D Man in the Waters was my absolute favorite piece. Um, I had seen it when I was 16 years old. Before I was a company member, I was just a young dancer, and I was immediately struck with. Uh, not just the beauty of it, but the athleticism and the sense of solidarity that I got from watching this um, extremely diverse group of dancers um, from all different training levels and all different uh, backgrounds and everything kind of come together in this uh, one single imperative. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved the dance. And then as a company member, I performed it. Um, and it's a tour de force to perform, so it really takes you through uh, a journey. And uh, it remained my favorite. And then I, I went on to teach it when I became an educator. Um, I was restaging it for various colleges around the country, and I came upon the issue that it wasn't. It was so hard to get back to its 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 original glory in a way. It mm -hmm. was very hard for young people to understand. Um, the the climate in which the dance was made. It's not about AIDS, but it was made at a, a, during AIDS. And yeah. it was a very particular time period at the height of that uh, epidemic. And it was very hard for young people who had, had not been taught much at all about the AIDS crisis um, to access what D-Man needed from them. And that was the seed of the film. That was It was really about originally uh, telling the history of the making of this dance as almost a service to, to young uh, dancers mm -hmm. who are going to do the piece. Um, Tom and I came together. I, I reached out to Tom because we, had, um, we knew each other in the past. I'll let him talk about that. Um, and, uh, and I reached out to Tom and I said, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And he said, sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> That's all you need is one yes. Yeah. You know, the, yes. let's do yes. Exactly. But, one yes from someone Go ahead. When Ross came to me, it was, a, it was a, quite a small film. It was going to be maybe less than a half an hour and with a very limited audience of the people who were going to do this, this dance, this ballet. So, we started out shooting the interviews. I had, Roz and I had come together first when I worked with the Bill T. Jones, with Bill and the Bill T. Jones Arnie Zane Dance Company back in the 90s uh, for a PBS dance in America. And, and uh, it, it involved a long uh, process of working with them. Roz and I got to know each other and then went on about our own careers. But we, we kind of kept in touch over the years just watching how the other person progressed. Mm -hmm. So when Roz came to me, I said, yes, of course. Great dancer. 
And, and then we began to shoot the interviews. And when we were done, it, first of all, they were the best set of interviews. That is one after another, collectively, that I had ever shot in my life. The, the dancers were so articulate about mm-hmm. their own emotion oh, and yeah. their own process. And so rich, gave such rich testimony about the time that it felt to me like this was bigger than just a, da- a, 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 a film for, for dancers. And, and it, we talked about it and we felt, and I felt that there was a feature documentary here. And so we began the process of making the film and not at the beginning, but somewhere about halfway through the shooting, we realized we had to bring it up to date. And we included the the, the young dancers uh, at at Loyola Marymount. Marymount, yeah. And the film came together. Uh, it just felt to me. It just felt to me like this was a, not only a story about a dance, but a story about the human necessity for art and community mm-hmm. in the face of of crisis. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. essentially human about the whole the whole process of making and doing this dance that I felt should be really communicated, needed to be communicated. And Roz agreed, and, and we, so we went ahead. It was a big undertaking. Well, I have to tell you, I was blown away by learning the process, first of all. Rosalind, I, I was also blown away by your compassionate and emotional direction that you gave those young dancers. I was watching just totally enraptured in what you were trying to get out of them, trying to, you know, get them to, to feel, you know, when you told her turn, look, look, look with your eyes. Now look with your face. And I, I was just watching you and just amazed at what you were doing. What are your impressions of these young dancers? And did you feel that you, that they, that they got it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was for one, because that process was so granular, and that, and while I had restaged uh, Demon in the Waters quite a few times by that point, that process with the LMU students was the most granular and the most comprehensive that I had done. And those were my uh, kind of ongoing students. You know, I teach there full time. So rather than in, in previous processes where I kind of fly in, for a week here, a week there, restage right. it, you know, make it, make sure it's up to speed. We were all together and really bonded. Um, and um, a lot of those exercises, I mean, this also speaks to mine and Tom work, uh, our working relationship. Uh, it took nine years to make this film. And by the time we had started shooting at Loyola Marymount, we had been working together for quite some time. And at that point, once we realized that I was then not only producer, co-director, but now had to be in the film, mm-hmm. it was really a point at which, you know, Tom and I agreed once, once I go in there, I have to be entirely a teacher. Yeah. I, can't, I can't be halfway a director or, co- yeah. or producer. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that was Tom, you know, and that was Tom responding to me and a lot of those um, – those moments that we that are captured in the film are really um, uh, impulse-driven moments where I'm looking at the group and I say, uh, you know, I'm thinking, here's what we need. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't mapped out what I was going to do in the classroom. Um, 
And so uh, it was just kind of an unspoken communication between me and Tom is that he uh, captured that, followed it, and I just followed my own impulse and lead in responding to my students, um, who are all, you know, fantastic professionals doing incredibly in the world now, I have to say. I keep calling them my students, but... <laughs> I was they, wondering they still about are, them. Though. No, they still are. As, as somebody, I was an arts educator myself, and let me tell watching you, uh, you are a, a fabulous teacher. Compelling and amazing. I just really can't say enough about like, how you're teaching. But them. yeah, just like, just from, as somebody who has been there and trying to get young people to to get it mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh it's a hard job and yeah. i was like you are just so good you are good at your job as a dancer but as a teacher i was like you you have a gift for mm-hmm. that as well as your 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 physical prowess you like you're just incredible no. it it really thank is you. all told thank you all told i have to say that Roz and i were not completely sure whether they could answer Bill's question, can you bring it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until mm-hmm. the very end. It was really our last shoot before the performance that we really we really realized that they could do it. And that Roz, you know, brought it out mm-hmm. of them. It was it was uh, that's one of the one of the one of the challenging parts of the film. Because you know, they're they're young kids. They're yeah, yeah. They're young, and, 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 and in their life, you know, we were just on the on the edge when that was done. We were just on the edge of the Trump presidency. Yeah, we didn't have COVID. We didn't have you know climate change wasn't like coming at us like a like a gigantic tsunami yet. Uh, you know, they could get lost in social media. Those kids mm-hmm. and. and you know, so it was to bring it out of them was a great challenge. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can only imagine what it must be like now, you know, with these the because I didn't realize mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it was so long ago that you had shot this, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. the, talking about the, the issues, you're like, what is our AIDS gun violence? That's right. their pandemic. Yeah. You know, that is yeah. that's their epidemic that's going on right now. Uh, sorry, Elena. Yeah, I, I'm it's just like, saying, you know, I, I think you've changed you changed those students forever. I watched 100%. it. I watched it. I watched it as you, you, you know, when you asked the questions that you asked and you did the exercises that you did. And I was just compelled by it. I was wondering, you know, wow, what are these people going to be like after this? And you already kind of alluded to it, that they're, they're doing so well. Uh, but uh, a question I have that I, I wonder what a lot of people, you know, the, the title. Tell, tell us about the title, D-Man in the Waters. You do reveal it later on. But for those uh, uninitiated, what, what, what's behind D-Man? <laughs> so um, in the dance was originally titled Waters. And... Um, the backstory that is that we don't go so in depth in uh, during the film is that you know the it was a commission uh, by the St. Luke's Chamber Orchestra uh, for Bill and Arnie originally to uh, choreograph to a number of different um, selections. The Mendelssohn was one of three. Um, Arnie then passed away in '88 before they could fulfill this commission, so it was an outstanding commission. And uh, Bill um, had a particular piece of music in mind um, that by a Polank, 
and and it evoked to him uh, bathing beauties and um, and the whole like kind of glory days of Hollywood, um, Busby Berkeley films and um, and all of that. Like and so he was he had this water theme in his head. He let the the rest of the company listen to the three pieces of music, and as the as the myth goes or as the story goes. Um, the all of the company members loved the Mendelssohn octet, and so Bill followed that lead. But he translated this metaphor of water to the Mendelssohn octet. What he didn't know at the time was Mendelssohn had composed that octet watching waves and water. Wow. Kind of, okay. yeah. Look, that um, is... There's... Mm. And, and this was a month, this began a month after Arnie died. Mm. So it is on the it 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 it, it where and the entire arts world in New York is falling. Yeah, mm-hmm. just for, just real quickly, Dan, just to, for context. So Bill T. Jones and, and Artie Zane we're, we're, part- were partners. Artie, uh, they created this dance company. Artie uh, uh, passed away from AIDS uh, in the eighties. Yeah. Sorry, just just for folks who might not be familiar. Like okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So going into the studio uh, while this, the company's grieving and certainly Bill is grieving. Right. And they're and they're making this piece, uh, this dance and using these water metaphors. Mm-hmm. Now, in the process of making that piece, uh, a company member, Damien Aquavella, who was nicknamed D-Man. He had been in the company already for about five years at that point. He was a beloved member and they just called him D-Man. Um, and uh, uh, Damien started to get sick with AIDS. And as that process went, and this is something I think that is important uh, to that, that students who are learning D-Man understand this, mm-hmm. that when people were getting sick um, and, and becoming symptomatic, it wasn't just suddenly they're gone and they're in the hospital and then they die. You know, it was they had, they're in the hospital and then they come out and they're doing okay and then they go back okay. in mm-hmm. and they have out and they come out and, and they have to rest a lot but they're okay and then they have a good day and a bad day so that's what was going on and so Damien was in the studio sometimes and then out and in and out and so the making of this piece was kind of imbibed with the managing and the recognition that someone else is going down mm-hmm. and so um it started the and that's the beauty of dance right our embodied experience is always somehow choreographed in it whether we're conscious of that or not and so at one point in the studio bill looked at, at damien who was curled up in the corner not able to didn't have the strength to dance that day and he said Somehow you will be in this dance. And mm-hmm. so it became, he changed the title to D-Man in the Waters. And D-Man was emblematic of so many people who were in the struggle at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that became the title. Now, I'll, I'll leave it to your viewers to watch the film to see if Damien ever made it into the dance. Yes, yes, it's <laughs> good to do it. But, uh, yes. Yeah, and that's part of why I fell in love with this dance is that it has a beautiful, compelling story and a lure around it that is just makes it one of the premier works of art yeah. to come out of the age of AIDS. Uh, just, period. Pe- just regardless, yeah, like it, pan, that aids to the side. It is a stunning piece of to work. Watch, yeah, to watch it in progress. Yeah. Quickly, how, how long is the piece? I couldn't get a sense. I'm just curious. 
Yeah, the dance is 38 minutes long. Okay. Oh, my God. Ow. Ow. I have such what? respect for these dancers watching <laughs> oh, no. the different. And how do you, you know, musicians notate, you know, with, with tablature, with you know, uh, and, and, of course, playwrights, you know, they write scripts. How do how do dance, how do directors get a, how do they know how to direct? What do they have as their as their blueprint? Oh, you mean uh, like the choreographer when they're in the studio? Yeah. Or or when the dance is being recreated, you mean? Yeah, what is their map? I mean, what they don't to have a recreated. script or they don't have yeah, a... So, yes, right. There's no score. So um, video, uh, a lot uh, relies on video. But, of course, video is such it's a two-dimensional rendering of a three-dimensional active live exchange between audience and performer. So video gives you literally the map, you know, and then, and then um, so much of it is the embodied history of the people who did it. Wow. Which is why it's so important that the person in the room actually has done the piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I was I was just like, how does she know what to tell them to do with every one of these intricate moves? You know, and it, I was just, I'm not just, I was blown away by you, honestly. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, the analogy is you know, the storyteller. It's the person who sits in the circle around the fire and tells the story and repeats the story from the one. Yes. It, mm-hmm. it, they're really. There is a, a, a part of this that involves a connection to the original piece, even if it's at several generations before. Ah, yeah. okay, good. Yeah, L- let me tell you again. I, I <clears throat> we were both blown away by this. This, you know, as. as I'm kind of at. I'm getting choked up listening to you. Just like to speak about everything. To just to. I'm I, to be a part of that creation, to be a part of that community that created something so magnificent and so special, and for you, you two as filmmakers, to come together to document that process, and then Rosalind to watch you with the you know ferocity and ultimate tenderness and patience and guidance mm-hmm. to to pull this this work out of young people was just so life affirming Mm -hmm. you know there's bill t jones has a a a quote in there where he says young people are biologically predisposed for hopefulness and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that i was like oh there we go came to light in this it really came to light and and just to know that your work both of your work as artists and as educators and as humans are you're changing people so i want you you changed me just from being allowed to peep in and watch this process. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting teary up over here. Like I can't cry. I, well, I can't cry on the radio because I do it too often. But, um, but oh, it really, look, if you want to, if you want to understand the importance of, of art, the importance of an artistic community, the importance of finding your passion, uh, and 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 also get a little bit of history thrown in there. You must 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 watch. Can you bring it? Bill T. Jones and D. Man in the Waters. It's now streaming on the World Channel. Actually, in Chicago, uh, you can find the World Channel on uh, our local PBS WTTW. WTTW. Uh, and I believe the film is, is the film's also on YouTube right now. Correct? Yes. Yeah. It is on the YouTube channels of World and Black Public Media. Yes. Got it. Well. Go, 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 run to your devices, watch this. 
if you need to fill the well, my well was so full, it is now coming out of my eyeballs. Um, mm. Rosalind LeBlanc, Tom Hurwitz, thank you so much again for, for joining us, and thank you for this beautiful, beautiful film. We appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, I'm going to cry a little bit when we go to break. Uh, and then after that is the final thrilling show-stopping moments about Chicago right here on WCPT. Theater. Welcome back to Out Chicago on WCPT. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here along with Tony Richard. It's me. It's you. It's you, host of the podcast, Race, <laughs> Culture, and the Culture of Race. Yes. And there we are. And also a fellow Gen Xer who was raised by television. Or raised I was, by I television. was raised by television. I, I, Were you? I mean, I, pretty close. I mean. We were good, 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 good friends. You and TV? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, me, too. Like, very good friends. Mm -hmm. I also had a single mom, so, like, I would have some time after school to do my thing. You know, watch the TV. Yeah. It's a good way to... It was pretty harmless. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, I think so, too. But I'm I'm a total nerd. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. Scott Bale, the one... (laughs) He's gone mad. Oh, he's gone. But do you remember the one where his friend was gay? Hmm. I don't know, but I bet you, I bet you, I bet you, our next guest will. Yeah, because uh, look, our our friend from the early days of the show, Matt Baum, he's an author, he's an activist. I like to call him King of All Media because he's just amazing and like all the content he puts out is incredible. Uh, His new book, Hi Honey, I'm Homo, Sitcom Specials and the Queering of American Culture, is the story not only of how subversive queer comedy transformed the American sitcom, uh, but how our favorite sitcoms transformed and continue to transform America. And it's available at the end of May. And he is here with us, Matt Baum. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And the movie that you're thinking of is The Trouble with Alex. I told you! I knew it! I knew it! Oh my God, that's amazing. See? See? Oh my God, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly the one you're thinking. Of. Oh, it's actually it's the truth about Alex, not the trouble with Alex. The but yes, truth yes, about And it was the best yeah. friend, right? It wasn't Scott Bale yeah. who was gay, it was the best friend. No, it was his best friend. I forget the actor's name. Oh, my but, God, he uh, was yeah, beautiful. He, he comes out to him. Yes. He's like, you know, and you think there's going to be a little fake out. But, yes. you know, that's, maybe Scott's going to be gay. But, no. I yeah. feel so seen. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about Alex. He feels seen, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. For, uh, first of all, thank you for coming through with that. 100%. Yes. I knew he'd I knew it. I knew he'd do it. Did you even have to Google it? Or was no. it just there? That's, you know, there was like a little slew of those after school specials. There's another one that's just called What If I'm Gay? And what? And I just love, I love these things. They're oh these like gosh. little 80s artifacts the of best. Um, how people were feeling at the time, which right. was uh, conflicted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, g- clearly. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, Matt, thank you for writing this book. Yes. Just for oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it satisfied every little bit of my TV nerdy genetic soul. It's so good not even just like going back and revisiting like shows that like helped formed me 
uh, and and our culture, but just getting putting everything into the historical context that was you give so much information. What what was the inspiration for for the book? Because I know that you are the king of all pop culture, uh, uh, especially queer pop culture. What led you to decide like yes, TV succumbs? Well, I mean. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, it's just that I love these shows Thank so you. much. Yes, okay, there we are. Yeah, this is why I'm like, so happy to hear you say that. Yes. Like, it feels like a, I wrote it just for you because yeah. that's how I want everybody to feel about yeah. this book. That you're spending time with your good sitcom buddies, yeah, um, and also learning about them and seeing them in a, in a totally different a way. A whole new uh, light. That's the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, these so these shows basically so the book Hi Honey I'm Homo we start you know back in the the the, the dark days of of the 1960s when when queer people just did not appear on television we start with Bewitched which kind of hinted at it without actually saying it mm-hmm. um and then I trace how sitcoms uh gradually gr- drew queer people into the into the mix how they improved through the 70s with shows like Soap and you know specials like um Suddenly or that certain summer and then into the 80s with the Golden Girls and the 90s with Friends and the Lesbian Wedding, uh, Will and Grace, of course, and Ellen's coming out, and then Modern Family. And, and also, as those shows are happening, the, the changes that are happening in American culture that are sometimes pushing the shows and sometimes are being pushed by the shows. Mm-hmm. And what really got me writing about this stuff is, for one thing, I just really love sitcoms. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like the Golden Girls are my personal friends. <laughs> of course. Um, and also, you know, I worked uh, for a long time, for many years in entertainment. I worked at the Jim Henson Company and Lucasfilm uh, and a lot of other companies and, you know, was inside the industry. Then um, I had sort of a political awakening, I guess you'd say, and I was involved in activism for a long time. It was part of the um, Supreme Court case that brought uh, marriage equality to the Supreme Court in California. Um, so I was in the activist world. I was in the entertainment world. Um, and I started to see how much those two worlds are kind of the same and are at least complementary. Um, that the, the culture we consume, the shows we enjoy and the movies that we watch, those really shape who we are and help us imagine who we could be. Uh, and, and they, you know, they, they, they change us. Uh, and so that's, you know, how I, how I wanted to approach the, this incredible history of the making of the shows and also how the shows made us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. See, we've been talking this whole show about the importance of storytelling how and its effect on culture. Um, look, reading this book, I firmly believe that this, this, hi honey, I'm a homo, needs to be a part of every curriculum for media studies, for LGBTQ studies. You know, I was fortunate enough when I was at Northwestern back in the early 90s that they offered a class about that we called homo history, (laughs) where we were able to take a queer history class, you know, and it was sent home to your parents as like special topics in history. So nobody knew exactly what you were taking uh, to protect Mm -hmm. the students and to protect the teacher uh, back in the 90s. But seeing all of these these moments and there were things that I didn't even realize like the the whole thing about Barney Miller yeah. just blew both of our minds. We're like, did right. you even realize that it was in the, the village? This no, police station? I, that blew my mind. You know, it's like and and the the fact that Barney Miller basically had the first recurring gay couple characters on the show. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. Mind boggling. It, it, it really is. And, and the amount of work that had to be done behind the scenes and the yes. fights 
Yeah. yeah. You know, ABC was really uh, tense about having that, about allowing anything gay on television. Um, and, you know, it, it still would be in the 90s when uh, Ellen was ready to, to, to have her special. Oh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, the, it, 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 the culture was really pushed along by folks who were brave and who were like, no, we're, we're not going to accept that, that, that this is taboo. This is a fact of life. And and we're we're gonna have we're gonna put gay characters on the show. We're gonna have them come back. We're gonna show them in relationships. We're gonna have them talk, you know, kind of talk obliquely, but still talk about the fact that they have a sex life. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just amazing to to present something like that. You know, and, and Barney Miller was basically it was a cop show set in, in Greenwich Village in the 1970s, a little bit into the 80s. And you know, how how could you have a show set in Greenwich Village in right. the 70s immediately after Stonewall, right? And not do that? Yeah. But that's what ABC wanted. That's what the network wanted. They were like, no, 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 no let's not talk about the gays. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the whole thing is just the, the whole cultural context for me is what really I'm like, this is all bringing it home. I had to go and watch. Uh, I believe it was in the, the chapter about Bewitched. You talked about the uh, the PSA Boys Beware. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had to go yeah. watch that. <laughs> that was a, it was a dark time. It was uh, a yeah. dark time. Yeah. That so, was a, showed in, in, in schools. They, you know, put this educational, in quotes, film yeah. about, you know, the homosexual is a sick, sad person. And they're going to, you know, they're, they're coming for your children. You know, and boy, oh, boy, we're hearing full a few circle. bars of that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just seeing, like, what, what people were up against, uh, especially... You know, the Bewitched for me just seems like, okay, there's a chock ton of like secret homos that were in there and some not so secret, like Paul Lind, dear Lord, like, (laughs) like how it's so hard to explain the phenomenon that is Paul Lind to people. You know, it's very hard. Yeah, there, I don't. I'm trying to think of like a modern day analog. Uh, you know, even out of the closet, and it, it's tough. He like, was a he was a performer, comedian, a raconteur. He was he was great. The but, closest uh, I can get to is Leslie Jordan. I think. Oh, you know, yeah, he's he. You know, the the energy, but happier. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Leslie Jordan, much much what a happier. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and also someone who intersected with the with the sitcoms, you know, with with Will and Grace. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people found him. Have found Leslie, and you know, he brought so much joy into people's lives. Uh, and gosh, just a, a, a few a few generations, maybe just one generation after Paul. So Paul was a closeted actor and performer. Really, did not talk about his his personal life ever. And now we have Leslie Jordan. Just a, you know, a decade later, a decade, a couple decades later, just full of queer joy. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, it it, it makes me very um, uh, wistful for for what might have been if people had been a little bit had been able to be a little bit freer. You know, Paul was a, a character on Bewitched, and he played this kind of troublemaking uncle. But man, just imagine if they did Bewitched today, and he could he could have been fully the gay uncle, right? Who, I'm comes that in with his boyfriend. If they did that. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, think that would be delightful. Right. The same. But in the, in the meantime, we had to like we, we got to have a little bit of a, all of his teasy tropes through uh, as the center That's square. Exactly. I loved him as center square. Right. Uh, yeah. And then Hollywood squares because he was just like he wasn't even hiding anything. Like, it was yeah, just like, people still didn't know. Yeah, it's just like it's true. it was mysterious to them, which is always remarkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you were researching this book, which is very, very detailed, right. uh, and also the footnotes, hilarious, on point. <laughs> They're the most delightful footnotes I think I've ever read. Uh, 
I'm putting that on the in the reviews. The most delightful footnotes I've ever read. <laughs> I know. I feel kind of like Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway. <laughs> the color of the binder, incredible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, like they're just. It's just. It's a very funny book, and clearly well researched. What? If anything surprised you while you were diving into these shows, and and gosh, and, and how did you pick the shows? Because right. I know there were other, there had to have been other queer influences in these other shows, but you've you've whittled them down to. Yeah, yeah, boy, that was tough. Yeah, uh, you, you know, I'm I'm doing um, as part of the book tour. I'm coming to Chicago in June, and uh, I'm bringing a lot of shows and clips with me. So a lot of the stuff that's in the book, and a lot of the stuff that I couldn't fit, uh, is going to be oh, cool. uh, going to be showing that. Uh, but um, oh boy, it was really tough. You know, I tried to find shows that had a significant impact, and also shows that aligned with what was happening in the culture. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that surprised me is that I wanted to write about the show Dinosaurs, which is a little obscure. Uh-huh. Not a lot of folks remember it. It was a a sitcom on ABC uh, about um, a giant family of there were foam puppets made by the Jim Henson workshop. Um, it was a family of dinosaurs. It was it was kind of um, all in the family, but you know, a million years, millions of years ago. Um, <laughs> and so that show had a gay allegory episode. They never talked about homosexuality, but they had an allegory episode where um, the the son, the teenage son on the family decides that he is, or he thinks that he might be a vegetarian. And so he starts exploring that lifestyle. He goes to a veggie bar. It's very clear what they're, what they're alluding to here. Um, and it brings up these issues as parents are disapproving. It brings up these issues about um, parental approval of what their kids are doing. Um, and it happened to coincide that the airing of that episode happened to coincide with a really important in real life court case involving parental custody of a child uh, who had been in it was this woman who had been in a, a, in a car crash. Uh, and uh, she needed uh, she needed to be in, in someone's care in someone's custody. And her parents were fighting her partner uh, over who had who, who could take care of her. Her parents mm-hmm. did not believe that this woman was a lesbian, did not want her partner in her life. Um, and so this court case was settled just as this episode was airing mm. uh, that determined, um, you know, the, the parents, essentially, it was, it was one of the first court cases that recognized the, the legal rights of same-sex partners. And so there's this interesting analog with um, parents who are willing to, who prioritize um, Tradition and um, you know the, the outmoded, <laughs> outmoded ways of living on the show. The, the you know it's it's eating meat and, and the laws of nature say that we as dinosaurs must eat meat. Uh, and then you've got this um, child who's saying, well, what if there's a different way? What if I want to live my life a different way? And the parents have to choose tradition or accepting their kid. Uh, uh, you know, and it was a choice that faced a lot of the, the parents in this court case, and it, it was something that uh, that courts were just starting to grapple with at the same time. So mm-hmm. I, that was one of the ones that was like, wow, this this is strange that this that this show happened to of all align shows. with this issue that was going on at the time. That's just one example of one of the things that was like, huh, that's weird. So uh, some of the shows, you know, you found in terms of their impact, what were some of the um, shows that that you recall from childhood. I know Soap mm. was one, but are there any of the other shows that, like, you just remembered the impact of a gay character and then you wanted to do a deeper dive? Or did it kind yeah. of... As It's a very interesting to me, your process, as Scott was asking, about choosing the shows. I'm wondering which ones struck you as a child. 
You know, I personally grew up in a house where there was a lot of, um, I think, a healthy respect. I wouldn't say fear, but a respect for television. It was something that um, we watched as a family. Um, it was never just the babysitter. It wasn't something that you just put on. It was something we watched together and we talked about television. And my parents mm -hmm. really carefully chose the shows that we watched. And so that meant that a lot of these shows didn't make the cut. And so I was coming to them very fresh as an adult hmm. um, in, you know, in college, you know, I studied uh, film and television in college and this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then got into the industry and I was discovering stuff as I was working. Um, I will say one of the shows in the book that I do remember watching when it was broadcast was Ellen's coming out episode. Mm -hmm. episode. I remember where I was. I remember the moment when she said the words. I remember thinking this is what it's like to see history getting made. Yes. It felt like the moon landing to me yeah. to, to see a, you know, she wasn't the first gay character on television, but a lead character, the named character on a primetime show that, uh, and, and also that she is out in real life. I mean, that, 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 was, uh, yeah, huge, that was super huge. a celebrity of her status, the, the, the person carrying the sitcom uh, coming out in real life, just, um, it felt like the entire world changed. Am I mistaken? Was that also live, or did I make that up? I think you made that up. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole thing was called the puppy episode. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember I was here in Chicago. And oh, yeah. Just the, the showings of that particular episode in the bars all up and down yes. Halstead was yeah. just huge, followed by the cover of Time magazine, you know, the, you know, yep, I'm oh, gay yes. thing. And then uh, the Entertainment Weekly coming back. Up, oh, she's too gay. You know right. that the backlash that I don't think that that's why I think this needs to be in in a history class because mm -hmm. you deal with uh, not just the, the shows themselves, which provide entertainment and provide you know us like oh we're seeing history being made, but mm -hmm. also the the it gives you context for like the time period of what is what's going on here. We have the Defense of Marriage Act happening here. We've got Don't Ask Don't Tell going here. We have you know and the the ramifications of her you know coming out and then her the network just dropping her yeah you know yeah. and what she had to go through it the whole thing is just fascinating like i remember wasn't there a made for tv movie back in the days when they did the network said the made for tv movies but i think it was called an early frost <gasps> oh yeah that was wasn't that the first movie about a someone dying oh my gosh living with, Aiden living Quinn. with Aiden. yeah 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 that like, film is embedded in my brain that and like serving in silence don't know that with one. glenn close uh she plays oh matt uh, camelmeyer margaret thank Kamemeyer. you thank you thank you thank you yeah. i'm like matt help me i know you'll know <laughs> yeah. uh but the she was a uh, uh, the 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 out um uh, military. Okay. The first yes. one, then that was in the oh, wow. 90s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then even going to like to Melrose Place. Melrose, yes, they were, we're moving the from first, sitcoms. Well, that kiss didn't happen because they went in for the kiss and they panned to the fire. I, you know, it's, and you remember it was the, the, the guy from Chicago PD. <laughs> wasn't? Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> Jason Beggy. Anyway. <laughs> It's amazing, like, the lengths to which networks sometimes went to, to obscure that stuff. Like, on, on Melrose Place, like you mentioned, they shot the kiss. They were ready to air the kiss. And then the network, Fox, was like, oh, no, we can't do this. So they insert a little cutaway so that you can't see it. And then on Picket Fences, there was a same-sex kiss. And they made them reshoot it with the lights turned out so you couldn't see it, which I think makes it even more tawdry. Right. So, but, you know, it, it's so silly that um, there was this anxiety. Oh, we, could, we can't. We can't show a kiss. Ellen, the, you know, after she came out, she, she had... Had a, 
she kissed a woman. They made them shoot it very carefully so you could only see the backs of heads. And then they slap a parental warning on the episode, which was just so deeply offensive. You know, mm-hmm. the, the sight of the sight of us, our, our, you know, our people being in love and expressing that we are in love is, is somehow offensive and, and, and dangerous to children. Um, it, uh, I, w- I wish I could say that we'd move past that. But uh, apparently not. Well, some of us have. Yeah. Well, you know, and something that I observed in writing about um, sitcoms and culture over the last, gosh, 60 or so years, that there are advances and then there's a backlash and then there's yep. advances and there's a, there's always the pendulum swings. And we've had um, 20 really good years, basically, from the from the millennium. From, Alan's coming out, honestly, and Will and Grace and Queer Eye, you know, the original run. It's been all uphill, mostly, for the last 20 years with Ugly Betty and Glee and Modern Family and, you know, more diverse and, you know, Orange is the New Black and, you know, lots of different queer lives. Uh, Noah's Ark. Uh, Noah's Ark, yeah. And now, yeah, we're, we're starting to see kind of a little bit of a pushback that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And it is a concern that, that you know, these and, and a reminder that the advances that we make you know, they're not chiseled in stone. We have to defend them. Well, that's right. And actually, that's all part of it's all tied back to the um, to uh, it's part of our infrastructure. It's actually the cyclical cyclical nature. It happens uh, with uh, systemic racism as well, that we make these advances and then we slide back. But that's literally like part of the cycle that we have to keep addressing. And it happens within all these marginalized marginalized groups and so uh we can anticipate it a little bit right and get ahead mm-hmm. of it and um yeah. stay on top of it and not let it slide all the way back yeah exactly it. that that was one of the big lessons that we learned from the you know switching over into the activist world when we were working on marriage equality feels like a lifetime ago but when marriage equality was happening what we learned from that fight is how important it is essentially to inoculate people against homophobic rhetoric mm. by getting to know them outside of heated campaigns yes. so it's when it's when things aren't happening it, that's the most important time to just to live your life to be an out, out example of a happy healthy well adjusted homosexual hey, you know we're not all perfectly well adjusted nobody is no but you know to to live our lives and be an example and, and be visible and out is, is so important um, every moment of the day, uh, you know, because the, the backlash is going to come. There are going to be people who are going to try to take it away eventually. And, um, you know, we, we all got to be ready for it. And, and you can be ready for it just <laughs> this, is, this is this is the good news. You can be ready for it just by watching and talking about TV. There we go. There we Love go. It. And let me tell you, you want to make sure that you read this. It is a terrific read, especially like for us Gen Xers and anybody like over and beyond, like above us and below us, you know, in age. It's just fascinating again, because, you know, we have this thing that helps shape the culture of our country yeah. uh, living in our house, you know, the right. television. And right. now it's in our hands. And now it's, you know, everywhere. Uh, It's a fascinating read filled with incredible anecdotes, wonderful historical contents, contents, and again, the funniest footnotes I think I've ever encountered. Uh, And the binders, an excellent color. Uh, And uh, make sure you go ahead and pre-order your copy of Hi, Honey, I'm Homo, sitcom specials in the queering of American culture. Pre-order that now. Call your local bookseller. Ask them to make sure that they carry it. It's going to be coming out available May 23rd. And you're going to be in Chicago in June. June. How can folks follow you, uh, Matt? 
Yeah, so easiest way is just to go to GaySitcoms.com. That's got all the info about the book. It's got the tour information. It's got Love everything. It. GaySitcoms.com. Yeah, I'm going to be at the library, the, the Chicago Central Library, Harold Washington, uh, June 7th. Uh, at the uh, And I'm going to be talking with uh, Matt Simonette from Windy City Times. We're going to be him. doing a reading from the book. We're going to be talking about our favorite shows. We're going to be showing some clips. We'll do a Q&A. We're, you know, anybody who loves TV and sitcoms, you're going to have a blast. Look, I'm telling you, and if you, you need to follow Matt on all social media because the video that he produces are so wonderful, so thought-provoking, and just, just I'm, I'm in awe and, and agog. Uh, and congratulations once again on this beautiful book, Hi Honey, I'm Homo, Sitcom Specials and the Queering of American Culture. Matt Baum, have a great thank day, so and congratulations again. It's, congratulations. it's so good. Oh, thank you. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. Right on. Well, we have got to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's the final thrilling show-stopping moments about Chicago right here on WCPT. I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And welcome back to the second hour of Out Chicago. Scott Duff here, along with Ellen Miller, just Indeed. rolling along. Yes, we are. We are. Mm. It's Pride Month. Pride Month. It's the first show of Pride Month. Yes, it is. We both love West Side Story. Heck, yeah. The sharks have the cooler costumes, by the way, too. I'm sure. I mean, telling you, Anita, in that dress, she knows how to work a dress. There we are. This is the gay stuff I want to talk about. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we can. Flowy, dressy costumes. Yes. It's our show. We do whatever we want. Damn it. And we're celebrating Pride. Hey, this hour, we've got a lot of Pride-filled things. Uh, A little bit later on this hour, uh, we are going to be chatting with Parker Haynes from Chicago Therapy Collective. They are hosting a stage at the Midsummer Fest uh, that's coming up next week. And we're going to be there, too. Uh, This year's theme is Drag is Not a Crime. Chatting all about that, so we can't wait to hear about like all the fun stuff and also the really good hard work that the Chicago Therapy Collective does for uh, folks in the LGBTQ community. Uh, but before we get to that, I am just all abuzz. Yeah, I guess you are. I'm so excited. Yes, you are. I'm so excited. Y'all. Okay, so Vulture mm-hmm. named the podcast Y'all Gay, uh, which is a comedic podcast uh, for everyone, hosted by two Southern queers, is one of the top five podcasts of 2022. And joining us now are the fabulously funny and fabulously queer hosts of Y'all Gay, Allie Clayton and Ever Maynard. Uh, Allie and Ever, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, my gosh. First off, congratulations, the podcast is a ding-dong delight. I <laughs> I love it. I love your relationship. I love the title. Y'all gay. Y'all gay. Like, is that a question or is it a declaration? Yeah, that's a good that's question. The, that's, that's the one that I'm what just is wrapping it? my brain around. I mean, I think that's something that Allie and I definitely played with because it's kind of both. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the podcast is for everyone, but I think it's also like kind of a... A question. And then also, I mean, it depends on how we're feeling in the podcast, I guess, Um, because our podcast (laughs) is really conversational. So sometimes it's like, y'all are gay or y'all gay. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lots of that makes sense. It does make sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. Always think like, 
what it would like people when we go home being like seeing us and being like, mm, y'all gay? Right. <laughs> right. right. That's, yeah. That's what the southern uh, the southern response. Uh-huh. 100 uh, percent. I lived in the south. I'm, I do not claim to be a southerner, but I lived in Memphis for eight years. So I've got some and I'm married to a Mississippian. So I got some. I would say south of my mouth, but that sounds a little gross. Uh, (laughs) Too late. Too late. Uh, But... Uh, but y'all, so every you're from Texas, and uh, Allie, you're from North Carolina, and y'all yep. met in Chicago's comedy scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The year was 2009. Oh. We were both straight. Oh, good. <laughs> I think I was Christian be bisexual. Almost okay. to myself because um, I didn't want to be gay. But yeah, both Christian. I was not outwardly bisexual. I have also never had sex with a man. But okay. because I was Christian and gay, I was like, no, no. no. Bi- yeah, I did that bi- too. Bisexual. Yeah, I did that as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did, Scott? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's very but, funny. But I was a weirdo. Like, I kind of came out in high school, which was weird because it was like the late 80s. But I was wow, decided, but I, would, I too was also like, you know, very active in my church. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm bisexual. Mostly because the, <laughs> the guy broke up with me. And I'm like, oh, okay. No, I like girls too. Let's go to prom with Claire. That'll be fine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the one thing that I do enjoy, there are many things I love about the podcast, Y'all Gay, um, including, you know, Allie, I love that you like will weep <laughs> at the drop of a hat ever. I love you know that you will just talk about doo doo. You know, both of you will talk about doo doo. Doo doo is I think it's Allie's doo-doo. Allie, Allie is more doo doo, isn't she? I talked I, I cry and talk about doo doo. Yes, a lot. there we are. <laughs> Fan. And I it's like Scott. Two or two peas in a pod. That's me. I cry at the drop of a hat that's and him. I love to talk that's, about doo doo. Yep, exactly. uh, and haircuts. But uh, so so what as you know, Southern transplants transplants to you know L.A. and New York. What what are some of the great things about the South? Because I mean, no, the South has got a lot to improve on, but there are some good things. Yeah, I, I need about to hear. It. I need to hear the positives. Let's hear that. The, uh, things moving at a slower pace. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can be nice sometimes. Politeness. I mean, they may not be good people, and they may not mean it at all, but. They'll let you out when you're trying to get out of a parking spot. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say they're polite. I mean, I I would say they were polite. They're more polite to me when I have longer hair. But when I have um, a buzzed haircut, it's definitely a little twinge of hate in that politeness. But uh-huh. yeah, still to Ali's point, they're polite. I mean, uh, I, I pass for a PTA mom, though. <laughs> you do, they, with your they, panting hair. Are they bless your heart polite, or are they polite polite? Because there's that bless your bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart polite, heart, for sure. Heart, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're always like, come on in and get some sweet tea. And by the hey, way, you can look at our lynching tree in the back, you know? Oh. Yeah. It's more like hate hate the sin, not the sinner. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say the food. Southern food is really uh, good. Well, that's... I think... Yeah. I think it gets a bad rap because, you know, there's the whole... It'll kill you? Yeah, it'll kill you. It's deep fried macaroni, but there's a lot of richness that that comes from food from the South. And a lot of love. Like, like a, a peach cobbler, right? Yeah, Something exactly. Or in Texas, comfort. a good steak, um, you know, 
really nice gumbo. Mm. We used to have, you know, I think that's also like a Louisiana yeah. trait. Maybe Mississippi, I don't know. Um, but in Texas, we would have these massive crawdad boils. And really, it's almost like a little bit of German food and Texas food where I'm from because there's a lot of German immigrants ah. okay. in the 1800s. Uh-huh. So it's like a weird hybrid going on. Oh, well, we've learned something today. Yes, we have. I also like the trucks. I also like the trucks. <laughs> a lot of trucks. I like the trucks. As long as there's like not a Confederate uh, bumper sticker on the on the truck no. and, and, a, and a rifle no. hanging on the back. I, I want to circle back for a second. You, you both mentioned you were straight and Christian. Uh, I know you're not straight. <laughs> Tell me about how you, how, what does Christianity mean to you the, uh, now? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I, oh, wow. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Both of you? Both of you? Uh, I don't know. I who's, mean, yeah. that was Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like Christianity to me feels... Um, How do I say this delicately? <laughs> because I also like come from like I have an uncle that's a priest now. Um, yeah, my and, sister is so yeah yeah. So it's also, but I don't subscribe subscribe. I don't follow that religion anymore. I do believe that in most, if not all, religions there stems from a love and a kindness that comes from the heart, and then it's like humans that really destroy that sentiment huh. and twist it. And that's with any religion. So yes, I yeah. would say that Christianity it could be used for good or it could be used to align your views with hate. And that's really sad because you're able to hide behind the veil of a God or yeah. Christianity. Yes. So yeah. true. Which is why so we, that, we, we pray to Clay Aiken. So Exactly. We love Clay Aiken. I know. <laughs> your prayer moments, Clay Aiken. Please, Clay Aiken, look over us. Let's have this. But I, I agree. I, uh, Ever, I agree uh, with what you're saying. You know, it can be, it, it, it may have started from love, but humans really have screwed it up. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. So y'all met straight Christian <laughs> Boy, did in, in Chicago, things change. Where did the idea of like, hey, let's do a podcast and a great podcast again, y'all gay? Where'd that come uh, from? We're in the quarantine. Yeah, quarantine. We mm-hmm. were just you know chatting all the time, and we're finally just like, let's just do something together. And you know, you never yeah. really thought about Zoom and all that before because like right. I never really considered us being able to because I'm in New York. I never even in LA. knew about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know about it, yeah, until so, quarantine. So yeah, that we came, were just FaceTiming a whole bunch. Uh, yeah. uh, and they're like, we should record this because we're funny. <laughs> we're like, yeah, this is entertaining. Yeah, and it it, it really is. So, mm. I mean, the, one of the things that I love about this, again, aside from the crying and the haircuts and all that good stuff, uh, <laughs> but you y'all are both so super honest and you know you just you're yes. just super duper honest you can also get like incredibly vulnerable and yet you are always hilarious i think i, I sent an email to y'all like i i'd finish i went back and listened to the middle school boys episode <laughs> which is great because i always describe myself i have the sense of humor of a 12 year old boy and a musical taste of a 14 year old girl yeah. you know that's that's how i am and like i was like oh my gosh this is so relatable but in that episode, you know, Allie, you were t- very, very frank about your mom's surgery and then, and, and, you know, ca- the the care that she was getting. And ever you were very, very, 
you know, frank about your, your top surgery and about your journey and everything. How do you do you these moments of of honesty and vulnerability, I think, add to the comedy because we're like, oh, they're real people. And then here's this. Do you all like how do you choose what you're talking about? Or is it just calling up like, <laughs> hey, here we go. That's it. Okay. Oh, that's it. <laughs> kind of like our show. <laughs> you yeah. just never know where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry about that's that. That's all good. It's fine. It's, it's a little something good. extra for people listening online. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I think that's the kind of podcast that that I typically like veer towards is like, I want to know who you are as a human. Are you yeah. a good person? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and. Then I can laugh with you more the more I know who you are. Yeah. No, I totally get that. That's kind of like I'm giving a shout out to another part. Well, I won't. We'll just that, get that's okay. No, we support. We support know, everybody. But like my brother, my brother and me, they are. Just, have you? I don't know if you all have listened to that. It's three brothers. Oh. They sound like animated woodchucks. I mean, they're just like, but they're good Midwesterners, and they're just like they're just good folks. And mm-hmm. when I listen to y'all gay, it's like, oh, you two, your relationship, your friendship is so just palpable through the whole thing you you have their moments when you have each other's backs you know with your your buddies and your hey pals and you know <laughs> it's it's so it's just it's truly delightful i mean Allie and i have been i would say best friends for a long time but then through quarantine i mm-hmm. feel like even though our friendship was literally across the continent um our friendship and our relationship as friends there's you know platonic and romantic but became so much deeper because we were going through this you know pandemic and it allowed us to really even though it was over zoom connect in a way where our guards were down yeah. because mm-hmm. it was it it became you know Allie and I would always be vulnerable and honest with each other but through this time at least for me like I was able to connect on a more meaningful and present way because we were just with each other. We were just with a screen in our own homes and that growth I think has just helped me as a person or or Mm -hmm. our friendship has helped me as a person. It's helped me view things differently and it's helped me be more open and present throughout multiple aspects and levels of friendships and in my life or, you know, with acquaintances. And now that when we see each other in person, it's, it's almost like, you know, we're siblings. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it very much. so feels like siblings to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that come, that comes across when you listen to y'all gay has the, the podcast informed your standup work. Not for me, a little bit for me because I just randomly will tell so many stories, and it's stories that I don't really ever really think of sometimes for stand-up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, like, listening to it, or people are, like, messaging me, and I'm like, oh, that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you're about- I should talk about my lion on stage. Yeah. You know? Allie, has a, Allie grew up with lions and tigers and monkeys and lemurs mm-hmm. and You grew leopards. up with them? Can you elaborate? Yeah. Sure. Uh, 
Well, my family's kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies. Like, we, nobody had money, but then we got money. And my brother was really into animals of all kinds and asked for, she's <laughs> like, $1,000. Dad, Dad's like, that seems like a deal. Wait, so, <laughs> a thousand? I thought they were 10000 No, a capuchin monkey is 10000 <laughs> And you know that. Wow. I love, I love that you how quickly that. you were but able to come in and fact check that one. Capuchin monkey, ten grand. No. The price is right. Come on down. <laughs> I was surprised to see in Tiger King that the price of a lion is the same oh. as it was in the 90s. It has not gone up. I would have... I would no. Uh, so so dad bad. bought brother a lion. He did. And we kept TT for maybe like <laughs> six months. And we took all the cars out of the garage. And she would come in and sleep with me and my brother. What? And mama was always like, get that damn lion out of my kitchen. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm, mama. Yeah. I, get you know, that. And TT, I thought y'all had TT for longer, six months. Wow. Something like that, because Daddy was started looking into building like the type of facility that TT really needed, and I think he didn't realize like, oh, the lion's a thousand dollars, the facility's twenty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No wonder you're and, so like, funny. And like the amount of meat, like thank God we did have um, hunters in our family, because I mean a snow leopard or. A lion, a tiger, they eat a lot of deer meat. <laughs> Who knew? But I'm not surprised. So, TT, so let me guess. Did TT get donated to a zoo? Yes. Yes. Actually, TT's, um, the guy we bought TT from is in like the first 30 seconds of Tiger King. Oh. Okay. Oh, all right. Dropping names. Wow. All right. This this podcast success has gone to your heads. You're just dropping names left and right. I know the guy from Tiger King. Mm. There, that, there's TT dealer. A TT dealer. <laughs> if you're listening. Well, that's, that, that is a lot of fodder for comedy right there. Oh Just that story alone. So, so oh, I can only imagine. Are, you, are y'all doing anything fun for Pride since we are in the big gay month of June? I was supposed to go to Brooklyn Museum last night to see Sir Baby Girl for the pride event there and i started the ultimatum queer love oh yes and i, I couldn't stop i can't go near I, that. I didn't go to the meet i was just like well i can't stop watching this <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> absolute garbage fire Ooh. yes yeah it's trash yeah. oh yeah i gotta check it out I'm- no. I'm going to do a lot of dancing. Oh, for those uh, listening from L.A., there you go. I'm sure they're aware of it. I never heard of it, but it sounds fun. There are, yeah. um, I know y'all are thinking about possibly taking the Y'all podcast and making road? it into a show on the road. Mm-hmm. Is that coming to fruition? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we definitely want to do more live shows. We were just at Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin and had a great episode with Judy Gold. We did an awesome live recording in L.A. So, yeah, there are a lot of other places we definitely want to visit and do live recordings. And especially we'd like to get to a point where those places are not just big cities, but that we can give. Because we have a lot of people write in from that rural. are or that are in rural areas that are queer and, you know, tell us that this is really important to them. Sure. And, um, I mean, so we tower. would like to be able to get to some of those spaces as well. Yeah, 
And Moon Tower, there are some queers that came out from around my surrounding town. Mm-hmm. They were even mm-hmm. more rural. And they were like, oh, my God, we listened to the podcast. And it was um, really touching. And, and you know, it, I think it would be really exciting to go to these more regional rural areas mm-hmm. where there are queer people. Like when I go home to Temple, Texas, there's no queer bar. The nearest one is in this other town called Colleen. And even then, it's not widely known. But I'm walking around, and I'm seeing other butches. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, there is clearly something here, but it's also a very conservative Christian area and a very Southern Baptist Christian area. Sorry if you hear anything that's a puppy eating its breakfast right by me. Delicious. Um, Okay, we love that. Uh, it's a TT. TT Junior. But yeah, we definitely are, are working on a tour. Oh, and good. It also allows us to do. Um, Allie and I have been playing with a format of of us doing stand up up top and then mm-hmm. getting into the pod. Oh. Yeah, we're doing some corporate events this Pride, oh. which we're really yeah, excited we're about. Well, we got to get we you back to, to Chicago. Language. Yes. Yeah. I will Allie be in saying. Chicago. I was just there, and I'll be back in Chicago in September. I'll actually be doing a little Midwestern tour, and we'll be at the Laughing Tap in Milwaukee. I'll be at Helium in Indiana, and I'll be in Chicago. Fabulous. When are you you coming back? I was going to say, I'm going to be at your mom's house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She would love that. My mom would honestly love that, yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, like, Obsessed with ever. Like, like I said, I could talk to y'all for for about eight hours. No, um, next time we'll have mom for the whole. I know we, we've got we've got to scooch out of here. But I, congratulations on the podcast. It is so again. It is delightful. Yes, I listened it's to it last fun. night. I loved it. It's fantastic. It, oh, thank you. Yeah, You're it's really fun. It's really. It's, for uh, the amount of doo-doo talk, it's really smart. Uh, it is, <laughs> and it's you know, it's it's just it just makes you feel good and gives you all the feels. So if you want to, um, you know, and clearly you're you're reaching out to folks and really affecting them because you're getting people to be like, hey, this means a lot, and you should be super duper proud of that because it's it's just wonderful, so funny. You have to check out y'all gay. That could be a question y'all gay or not whatever you like wherever you can find your podcast uh Allie clayton ever maynard um how can folks follow you both on socials i am at a country clayton Mm -hmm. um and the things all of them (laughs) all those things that are out there yep yeah I'm at Ever Maynard, so it's ever like the word, and then it's M A I N A R D. There we are. Some people put a Y. They, are, they were wrong. Not us. They were wrong. No, don't even think about it. Doing it. Don't even think about it. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking time out today, Allie. Don't you have a date today or something? Oh no, I had a I had a date I had a date last Sunday. Oh. And if you sign up for our Patreon, you can hear all about it. Oh my gosh, go <laughs> sign up for the Patreon. Yeah, and we have a Patreon. follow uh Y'all Pod. It's at Y'all Pod on socials. Go or do y'all that. Gay. Y'all gay, sorry, y'all gay, y'all gay pod. pod. Sorry. Yeah. Y'all gay pod. There we are. Uh Allie Clayton, Ever Maynard. Congratulations. Happy Pride. Uh and love y'all. Happy love Pride y'all to y'all. Happy Pride. Nice to meet you right. on the Bye. Uh, Thank show. You. Take care. Thank you. All righty. We've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Parker Haynes from the Chicago Therapy Collective. So stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. Hey, everybody. This is 
this is Tanya Richard from Tanya's Take, Race, Culture, and the Culture of Race, and you are listening to Out Chicago, WCPT. And welcome back to Out Chicago, a very special Out Chicago some of the besties mm-hmm. of 2023 You're on so this. so lucky and blessed uh, to have all of these great we highlights. We really are. We really are. It's I mean, great I guests this year. We've been really, really blessed for all 10 years that we've been on here with some really cool people. I remember in the beginning, we kind of had to, like, you know, work at getting people. Now it's like, oh, we can only fit so many I know. of you I, in, you know? I mean, I I'm glad that, we, that we're that we in that situation, but it's it's awesome to see how we've evolved. It is. Years. It's it's pretty pretty amazing. So we're wrapping up on this Christmas Eve. I know we both celebrate the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what are you going to be doing after you head out of here? Yeah, we. Uh, I'm going to do a little pre-cooking for tomorrow, but uh, Kathy and I have of a tradition. We, my family never really celebrated Christmas Eve. Sadly, my parents would go to church and we'd be just hanging out at home having fun with my siblings and friends. You didn't go to ch- oh, Ellen Miller. No. How did you get away with that? My mother, Your parents didn't. My like, poor mother would come home and go, everybody else's kids were there. Of course. And I'd be like, oh, mom, I'm sorry. No, you're, you weren't sorry. If you were sorry. Guilty. I did feel guilty. If you guilty, were sorry, you would have gone late. to church. And then by the following year, I already you know, was in my mode again. So when, uh, you know, as, as an adult, I, Kathy and I have been together now 28 years. We go out, the two of us, to a fabulous dinner somewhere. On Christmas Eve? On Christmas Eve. Okay. We, we search the best restaurants uh, that, to our liking that are open. Right. There's more and more open every year, it seems. Um, well, not everybody celebrates right, Christmas. Right. And so uh, what we also have been doing the last bunch of years, maybe 10, is the the Italian tradition, even though we're not Italian, of the Feast of the Seven, seven fishes. fishes. Yes. So we seek out seven fishes menus and we choose where we're going to go. We're going back uh, tonight to Via Stato, which is a lettuce restaurant uh, downtown on state. Okay. And they do a tremendous job with it. It's, um, it's more, fi- you know, I got to like starve myself from now until like, you know, we go out tonight. But right. It's a lovely meal and it's always done right. We've, we've got an RPM over the years. Just there was a place that's no longer there in Evanston that was an old house and they did it where you, you had a cocktail hour. Like, forget the name was of it. Was it Trio? No, it wasn't Trio. Oh, okay. It was another name. And they, you're in a big room with a bunch of people you've never met before for past hors d'oeuvres and champagne, and you feel like you're just at some big party. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and then they escort you now into the dining room where you sit down at your own tables, and you had this fabulous meal. But the restaurant sadly closed many, and someone, you know, probably remind me who where, who, where it was. But um, anyway, we, we continue that tradition, and we will do that, and then we'll come home. And we'll, we'll, Maggie and Kathy and I will open up our gifts. We'll, okay. We'll open them up our, on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. And then uh, we'll get up tomorrow morning and hit the ground running because we're hosting this year. Are you hosting the whole Miller family? Yes, we are. Oh, the whole goodness. Miller family. Miller family's coming over, forcing Christmas carols on them. Yes, 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 yes. They're going to love it. They're going to love it. They're hearing about what it now you, on the show. What are you making? Uh, we are making... And I made this dish in 2006, a Tyler Florence mm-hmm. uh, recipe for uh, horseradish encrusted standing prime rib roast. Rib roast. Uh-huh. Bought the rib roast the other day. Mm. It's in the fridge. And we're going to make that and mashed potatoes, popovers. 
I'm gonna have pop. Do you have little popover tins? I do. <gasps> oh. I do. I have the tins. I love yes. those tins. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. This popover recipe is like, remember the one out of the old Betty Crocker book that my mom used to make. We used to make as kids was pretty simple, but this one is, you know, you got to heat the pan, you got to bring everything to room temperature, you got to add this Dijon mustard and this and that, and it, but it's 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 tried and true. Of course. And so we're going to do that and some green beans and I think this other Tyler Florence. It's like a roasted red onion and honey and garlic thing that we What? Get. Yeah. Wait, you're going to have to send me that one. I will. I you will. have to send me that one, I definitely. I've sent you that one. Yes. So then, uh, yeah, we're going to do that. I might do a sticky toffee pudding for dessert. Wowza. Kind of a British thing. I love sticky toffee pudding. I do, too. I, like, I love, I not do. a little. I know. It's, it's so good. It's so good. So good. So, yeah, that's um, that's our plan. That's um, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, so we are heading over to our friend uh, Amy and Kiki's tonight. Very nice. We, and tonight is our prime standing rib roast. Oh, we have you're the, doing one, too? Yes, they are, they are making that. Uh, and then, you know, probably with all the accoutrement. Uh, and Kiki, who is both Cuban and Greek. Right. So... Passion and food oh, yes. are right there. Oh, I hear her. She's amazing. Uh, and we, uh, she makes this uh, liver pate mm. that I uh, what adore. What kind of liver? Uh, chicken liver. Chicken liver. Yes. It's uh, it's the Ruth Reichel. Look, here's, look, if you enjoy, this is, I'm going to give a book recommendation. Okay. There we are. As we're coming up near to the end of the year, I should probably save this for next week. But if we're, as we're coming up to the end of the year, if you enjoy cooking, uh, I cannot recommend highly enough the book My Kitchen Year by Ruth Reichel. She used to be the mm. editor in chief of Gourmet Magazine, mm, that's and and the uh, she's just she's been a food writer. She was a food critic. There's a great book, um, uh, Garlic and Sapphires, which talks about her. Uh, year when she first came to New York to be the food critic for the New York Times. And her, I mean, she used to like go into put on decorate like uh, disguises, because as she was flying out there, the woman sitting next to her, she's like, "I know you. Your your picture is on is on every kitchen in every kitchen in every restaurant in New York right now, and we get a bonus if we spot you Ooh. coming into our place." And she's like, "What?" Like she had just taken the she was literally flying from L.A. to New York to start her job there. Anyway, but it talks about my kitchen year mm-hmm. is focuses on the year when uh, Condé Nast closed Gourmet Magazine, like they stopped it, and she took the year because she was able to because she worked you know, for the New York Times and Gourmet Magazine. Mm-hmm. But she was able to take the year and to reflect about like what is going to be the next chapter, and she cooked through her way through the year. So it's a little bit about, you know, starting in the winter and about, you know, where she was emotionally, spiritually, just like kind of crushed. And then the food that she prepared throughout the year to help her heal. Oh, and wow. that chicken, that chicken uh, pate, pate that chick- is, one of her is in that is in that book. <gasps> yeah, a lovely story. It really, it's a great book. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I should, uh, that's got to be my my kitchen, kitchen year, year. by okay. Ruth Reichel. Writing that down. Yeah, I like I've got a copy and I've been loaning it out to everybody. It's just it's and I love her writing. Her writing is, forgive the phrase, very delicious. Mm. It's just it's it's. It's easy. It's breezy. You can hear her. She's My a very kind of writing easy and breezy. Yeah, and she's got a very, very distinct tone to the whole thing. That sounds great. Yeah. So there you we can still run out and, and buy it. You could it, you know, go to your time. local bookstore. Yeah, they're still open. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're gonna do, we're going over to our friends tonight, mm-hmm. uh, having the the 
prime rib. And I think we're doing a, a asparagus with hollandaise mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Very I'm not nice. sure what's for dessert, but we've got to have like pate and charcuterie and defibrillators oh. on hand to clear <laughs> no. everything. And then tomorrow, uh, Jerry and I were waking up. We, we decided that we're going to go caroling, just the two of us. Are you going to knock on doors? We're like going to stand. Old... Are you? What, <laughs> no, just we're not. in your complex? No, no you're not going to. Could you imagine just Jerry? Yes. Like, just We're just going to walk around our yes. neighborhood. We're going to walk around the great, greater uh, West Edgewater uh, neighborhood and just stand outside people's houses and sing Christmas carols. <laughs> You know, nobody Jerry does it anymore. Nobody does it anymore. So I think maybe Jerry and I are going to get up. You have two grown men who are not known for their singing voices just standing oh, outside you your house. Have fine and we're going to be voices. and we're going to sing jingle bells to to everybody. You so, should. So we're we're going to do that and we're going to like get up, we're going to make a Dutch baby. We're not exchanging gifts this year because our gift to each other is a dishwasher. <laughs> wah, wah. We have to do that. And there we are. But then my uh, nephew and his wife are coming over. Oh, nice. Uh, and I'm going to do, uh, we're making beef bourguignon. You have a big beefy kind of It's going to be a big beefy <laughs> kind of thing. I know. Well, same with you. Oh, well, wait. What are you seven fishes. Seven fishes. And then beef. Yeah. Yes, there we are. And Kathy seven. doesn't even eat beef, so she's throwing herself on the sword for the All family. All right. Well, thank you <laughs> so much there. So, yeah, so we're going to. Yeah. We're doing beef bourguignon. I'm going to make a Ooh. mushroom galette. Probably since it's nice out, we're going to, like, you know, it's not as cold. So I think I'm going to, like, grill some broccolini mm. with all that. Um, what else is on my menu? I'm trying to go through. We had a broccolini uh, the other night in Nashville with pomegranate mm-hmm. and. It was, oh my God. I love broccolini. So and I love good. grilled, when you grill it. When you grill it, it's really good. Uh-huh. You get that nice little grill. char yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're going to have our film. We're going to have some games. I'm still trying to, look, I'm trying to figure out if I should let them bring their dog. How does their how does their dog get along with other dogs? Their dog is great. I think he's awesome. He's oh. very very sweet. He and Emma get along fine. He's a bull mastiff. Oh, he big. He's gigantic. <laughs> really big. Gigantic and drooly. And drools everywhere. Oh, the drool. You know the drooly dog. The drool part I'm is sorry. the thing that it's gets me a little. I just. Uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll be. Filled with the spirit of Christmas. Remember, <laughs> you're doing it because you love them. Oh, I know, but I'm not. But yeah, I know. I also love my couch. <laughs> it's hard, and you know, you don't have the hugest place, and a dog like that is taking up like another. It's big taking up valuable real estate. Yeah, there we are. So well, good luck with that, Scott. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, so that should be that should be good, mm-hmm. um, and, and it should be good and fun. You know, it's, it's this time of year. I know can be very very stressful for folks. Uh, I had an incident that happened, you know, uh, recently at the snack factory. I had a woman who just like came up to me and was just like looking for some jingle jangle. Jingle jangle, for those people who aren't familiar, are uh, it's this tin of like chocolate covered pretzels and popcorn. It's like a, mm. you know, a, a big tin of we like. We call that Christmas crack. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. basically Christmas crack. People have their own branch. You know, like William, uh, Harry and David has like Moose Munch and right. all this stuff. Like Trader Joe's has the jingle jangle. Of course, we've been sold out uh, because. Because it's popular. Because it's popular. Uh, and this lady, she was like. She was devastated. It was it was not like the French people with the raclette. It was like this woman was devastated. Oh, no. You know, like I could just see it in her face. She's like, I, "What do you mean?" And I was. It's a family tradition. Well, not even that. I was like, "I have to get <laughs> these. Like, what am I They're doing?" Gifts. Like, I, I saw them. I was just in Hyde Park, and they were there, and I needed them. And I'm, but, and I'm like, "All right, well." And I just kind of stopped, and I'm like, "Oh, 
this is not about jingle jangle. This is about something else. I'm like, let's go for a walk and see if we can pivot and find some things. So I put down what I was doing and we kind of walked through the store and we were listening. She's like, I'm sorry. I just, this is, I'm just trying to give stuff out to people and I've had a really bad couple of months. And she just needed to vent mm -hmm. is what it was. So it was like, let's just kind of walk and see like what we can find. And I listened to her, you know, she'd had a hard go. Her parents both had COVID at different times. They were hospitalized. She'd been going back and forth from the north side down to Hyde Park and she's just was just having a bad day you know yeah. and, and it wasn't about the jingle jangle yeah. so one thing that one I want more thing that was on her was just kind of yeah, pushed her over the edge that just kind of pushed yeah. you over the edge and I, again I just as I as you know I just want to remind folks that like when people are like kind of lashing out you don't know what's going on in their world. So just take a moment and so stop, true, Scott. if you can, just to stop and listen, like be with that person and just listen like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds really bad. You know, we have to remind ourselves of that lesson. It's really important. My dad, when we were kids, I'll never forget we were in a restaurant and I'd say, daddy, that waitress was mean. And he says, you never know what kind of day that person's having. Yeah, he really preached that to us. Yeah, as kids. and it's and it's really like and, and it's and we hard have to remind ourselves. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Especially when you're dealing with the public yes, a lot. But, um, you know, so it is uh, so Christmas Eve. So you're like Eve. a therapist. You're you're a wonderful uh, employee for oh, TJ. Well, there we are. Thank Just you. Just have to tell you that. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's very Just sweet. let them know. I think review time is coming <laughs> up soon. Write a letter. Yeah. Write a letter. There we are. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I know this is a. Uh, uh, it can be a tricky holiday for folks, yeah. um, especially folks who are out there who, you know, like the reason for the season and all that good stuff. Uh, but I want just to remind folks that there are people out there. There are people out there who who will listen, uh, will listen. Mm -hmm. There are people out there who want to speak for you, so give you some give you some power, give you some voice. And, and we're there for you. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who out there who um, are kind of hating on the LGBTQ community uh, around this time of year. And I just want to remind everybody that if you are taking the Bible extremely literally about sexuality, but you are not feeding the hungry, you're not bringing good news to the poor, you're not liberating the oppressed or forgiving debts, bringing health to the sick or loving your neighbor, then please stop acting like you're taking the Bible seriously. Amen. So there we go. Um, Wonderful thoughts to leave our there listeners we are. with today. So enjoy the day, enjoy others. Take a moment, breathe. You got this. And remember, you're doing this because you love them. love them. There we are. That's beautiful. Um, I really want to thank uh, Alex and Devin for helping put this show together today. Uh, Paul, I'm sure, is doing something. Something. Something somewhere. somewhere. But mm -hmm. there we are. Um, Ellen Miller, it's always a pleasure to see you. I'm so glad that you started a new tradition with Kathy's family. Thank you. Fantastic. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, too, thank Scott. Thank you very much. And I'm Scott Duff. And until next week, stay, stay proud. proud.